Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Uh, I want to tackle something potentially contentious that Becca and I were talking about the other day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Um, because I'm, I'm just curious. I want to hear what people say. Definitely want to have some invite from friends in the audience today. I will announce that in a second. But first, let me say... Welcome to Morning Walk and Talk with the Artists Forge. My name is Nicola York. I am your host. And today we're going to be talking about talent. What is it? Everyone can get good at the skills that are required by artistic pursuit. You can become better at drawing. You can become a better storyteller. You can become a better photographer. You can learn all of these individual skills. But why do some people just seem to have it, whatever it is? And you can't really place why their work is so special, why they get the notoriety, why they tend to just be the kind of artists that, that just make the things that inspire people, engage people. And why is Stephen King Stephen King? Why? Is Anne Rice, Anne Rice? Why is Jackson Pollock, Jackson Pollock? Like, why do these people seem to have something that other artists just don't have? Is it the luck of their circumstances and timing? Is it really just something about them as artists that the way their brain works? Or is there some undefinable thing in making art that makes them? more special than the rest of us. Um, that's not a fantastic way to put it, but I think we've all looked at artists we admire um, and, and seen the way that their art is able to just reach out over the centuries and continue to touch folks, right? And wondered, is that what talent is? Is it, is it the ability to kind of synthesize all of these things or is it the way that they think or is it the luck of the draw? Because there have been some studies that talk about the fact that who you know and what your reach is like can really greatly influence um, who knows that you exist, right? Often famous artists have famous friends and they hang out in groups of famous artists and share their famous PR representatives and all that kind of stuff. Um, or is there really something innate like Obviously, Stephen King is one of the most prolific writers in the history of fiction um, and one of the most successful writers of all time. And he has written books about his process. He's explained how he writes. And even still, if you were to follow his advice to the letter, you would never produce books that Stephen King produces, even if you were to do everything he does. And granted, a lot of his explanations are a little bit esoteric um, because there's just things you'll never be able to touch. 
about Stephen King that are absolutely unique to his life. And so that brings up the question, what's, what is the difference? Is there such a thing as talent in a way that will bring people farther along in their artistic journey than you could be if you just mastered these skill sets? I'm curious. I'm curious, guys. I'm curious what people think. I want to know how this works. I and of course, be... no, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Nicole, I thought you were paused for, <laughs> I wanted to fill the silence. <laughs> go ahead and finish. Well, I just, um, I don't know necessarily if talent is even the right word for it, but I think it is the only word that I can use that gets across the fact that some people, at least from my perspective, just seem to have something. They do they want it more? Or is there just some unique set of circumstances in their lives that comes together to form somebody who's capable of doing what they're doing? I mean, obviously, there is a long history of um, self-medication in the arts. Um, is there some binding tie there? Or what is it? What is it that makes these artists so special? Do they have a special thing that we don't have? And I'm calling it talent. So. I'd love to know what you guys think. We're gonna kick off the argument this morning. If you know anybody that you think would like to be part of this argument, friends in the audience, ping them into the room. Let them know that we're here arguing about art this morning. Um, and keep, keep, uh, keep your thoughts moving along because we wanna have you come up and argue with us. So we'll call for hands in just a little bit. I'm gonna make everybody moderators, but yeah, I wanna hear what you guys think. I don't even know how to address this proper top topic properly, except that I know there's something there and I can't entirely put my finger on it. So is it a thing? Is it? Okay, now I'll jump in and forgive me, Basam and Becca, but I'm about to talk for about three and a half hours. Um, I, I don't think there's anything such as talent. I think you just hit on a lot of points that I was writing notes as soon as you posed the question. I wrote a bunch of notes down and I wanted to hit the points one by one, but you started to hit them, you know, in advance. So I think we're thinking very similarly. I don't think there's anything such as talent. I think it's a it's perception driven by so when we say someone is talented, what we're doing is we're saying that based on the standards that we've set for ourselves and what society has set as standards for thing X, if someone exceeds that perception, they're viewed as talented. Now, it's the Coke and Pepsi challenge. If you put their work next to someone else's work of, you know, whether it's writing or pottery or photography, there are going to be different perceptions. But the view of talent can sometimes be influenced by who we are, what our experiences are, and what those around us think is good or bad. So because we're tribal, you know, tribal people, we often put more weight on what other people say when we don't yet have a judgment on it, right? So if I say, you know, blue's the best color out there and I get a couple of people to believe me, they're gonna say that blue is the best color ever. 
that's how we work as tribes. Now, I think you, you mentioned something that was really, really important in that, which is what are the connections that you make, right? Vivian Meyer was a street photographer who no one knew about until someone found her slides in an attic somewhere, right? There are artists that I think by many standards, some would be like, oh, I don't know if they're talented, but I'm supposed to say that they're talented. So there's that aspect of the word talent, that it's influenced by who we are, who we hang out with, society as a whole, and what we've kind of labeled as talent. I think the actual intangible talent is, you know, more experience than anything else. We're all born and we all experience the world in a very, very different way. From millisecond to millisecond, we have different experiences. And there are people that just through whatever their journey is in life, have these amazing experiences that cause them to see the world differently. And it's through whatever medium that they use, whether it's photography, film, or canvas, or pottery, they're able to express those experiences. Because we don't have those same experiences, but those items that they produce speak to something in us that we want, we put them up a notch and we say that they're talented because they're able to express the things that we are not. So I don't think there's anything such as talent. I just think there's people that are able to express their interaction with the world, their experience with the world a little bit better. The more that we relate to that experience or we're in awe of that experience, we label them as being talented. I'm gonna leave it there because I really could talk for hours about this stuff, but what do you think about that? I'm not allowing you to leave it because I do have a question just to clarify things before we allow other people to respond to your thoughts too. But, so I do wonder then, you see, so, the part that allows them to express it a little bit better. I think that's the thing that I'm so curious about because you can take three photographers, each of which is equally skilled in technique, right? Each of which is going to take a sharp, well-exposed, well-composed photograph. And there's going to be one that doesn't have any life in it. Like for some reason, when you look at the photo, there's just nothing alive there. It may be perfectly composed. It may be perfectly well exposed. The lighting might be spot on. And yet when you look at it, it just feels dead. And then there are some photographers that when you look at their work, there's just something in it, right? That intangible thing. And it could be a, a combination of anything, but I'm going to liken that to your, you're saying that they have some ability to communicate their experience in a way that we can connect to. And, and that's the thing that I'm really curious about because even in other genres or, or a fields of study, let's say in writing, there are a million people who publish books all the damn time. And some thing about one book is gonna make it a do not read, like people are just gonna quit reading it. And something about another book is gonna turn it into a bestseller when they may have had relatively equal chances of reaching people and they might be equally well written something is missing and if that's that ability to communicate that you're talking about where the heck does that come from is that something we train or is that an innate thing you know like what is it about that that makes some people just so it's it's hard to in 
I'm not able to use the words correctly because I know I'll sound like a lunatic, but I think our brains, right, work like these computers that never run out of storage. And from the second that we are born, we're putting information into that computer, right? Now, it all depends on how easily you're able to access some of that information. And that is what allows you to express yourself or connect to people or produce work because you're drawing from all that information, conscious and subconscious. For the way that I've tried to explain it before is, you know, you've got comedians, right? Someone can tell the exact same joke. I can tell a joke, Hassan can tell a joke, Becca can tell a joke, you can tell a joke. The exact same wording, exact same phrasing. We're all going to have different comedic timing. And one person is going to tell that joke really, really well. And what is that? That's because they're expressing themselves, whether it's through body language or tenor of their voice or eye contact or the way that they emphasize different syllables in the words. And all of those things contribute to us then interpreting that as is that something that we like or don't like. And over time, over eons, we've all as humans kind of liked the same things. We don't know why, but we kind of like the same things. Maybe it's because, you know, they have allowed us to progress in a way that keeps us all in a civil order, right? I know I'm getting off topic. What I'm saying is we all have like collective likes and dislikes, but I think the way that we express those is also based on those collective likes and dislikes and keeping order. Does any of this make sense? And so when we have those four comedians and they are telling the same joke, you're going to gravitate to one that's funnier than others. And it's only because we're interpreting in a way that we like, that makes sense to us. Therefore, we say that they are talented at what they do. I so tried then, to land that plane correctly. but Yeah. So then there must be something that tends to be more universal because even though even though um, there's two things I was thinking as you were saying that. So the first thing is the universality. Like, obviously, there are some comedians who are really incredibly niche. They might be well-known, and, and, and a lot of people like them, but not quite enough to become Kevin Hart, right? Who's one of the most successful comedians of all time and his ability to draw enormous crowds. So there's something about Kevin's delivery that connects to more people than some of these other comedians who are not doing that. Or is that purely his ability to market himself? Because granted, at this point, the man has a lot of money to do marketing. Um, so, I mean, that really becomes the question. What is it about some people that makes them able to do that? And I wonder if that's not tied to emotional intelligence. Uh, and I that that EQ I... and that ability to introspect so that they understand themselves well enough that they can take that understanding and transfer it out, if that makes any sense. And if that were a possibility, if EQ or your ability for introspection were an important part of this ability to communicate your experience to the world, that would make a lot of sense why so many artists often self-medicate because that's not, that shit's not easy. <laughs> and, uh, and looking inside at yourself and dealing, like living in your own head and being with your own thoughts can sometimes be a really stressful experience. So I just wonder, that's the last thing I'm going to push at your responses before I make sure Becca and Bassam can uh, respond. 
I warned you, I'd be a talker today. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the important thing there is that we don't conflate talent with success, right? So looking at Kevin Hart, yes, he could be talented based on that universal acceptance of what quote unquote talent is, but the success is where the marketing and all that, that's the connections to other people. That is what allows that talent to be seen by so many, right? But there's a million Kevin Hart's out there. It's just, I think, you know, if we are going to, you know, connect talent to success, those are two different things, right? I just think there are people that are 10 times funnier than Kevin Hart that are buddies of mine that will never, you know, get to his level of fame, nor do they want to, but that doesn't mean that they're any less talented. So I think it's the, the talent is really where we connect to something and we attribute, you know, those things that we like to however they're able to express themselves. And I'll just kind of leave okay. it at that. Okay, so now you, you sorry, I totally lied, guys. Now you just said something that I do want to pick on a little bit. So not necessarily equating talent with success, but you said there's probably a thousand Kevin Hart's out there that are funnier than Kevin Hart or that, uh, that could be more successful than Kevin Hart, but are there? I mean, no, but that's the question. Like, are there? Because there's obviously some mixture of not just funny, and not just talent, but something all together, right? Like some, something, if whether that was like the drive and the desire, because you said, like Matt, you said, your friends don't even have the desire to. Well, then obviously they're, they're not ever gonna be where or what or make those connections because they don't even have the desire to chase that. So there's some combination there of not just, you know, the ability to tell jokes or the ability to, you know, kind of embody that silliness that he has or whatever it is that makes people really, really love his comedy. Um, but there's also, there's also that combination of other things involved, right? Like that drive, that the willingness to suffer or whatever it is that made him be exposed to the right people at the right time that allowed a lot of people to see his work. And if our reactions to movies <laughs> are any judgment, simply being popular is not enough to make everybody like a thing because we will go and trash the shit that we don't like or that doesn't live up to our expectations. And we're completely willing to dump comedians that we used to love if all of a sudden they stop connecting with us. So they're, they're that intangible thing that allows that to happen. Like that's the thing that I'm the most curious about. So in, in your mind, Matt, that's really just our our, not their ability, but our ability to connect with what they're saying or their ability to continue to connect with us through their ability to share their worldview? I hold them as two different things. So, and perhaps I'm unclear on the, the notion of the question, but for me, talent is a thing that is very individual and a person doesn't consider themselves talented. They're just doing what they do. It is other people that judge based on some unknown universal standard of whatever topic it is that says they have more of that thing than the rest of us. But that to okay. me, but, but the success part of it has nothing to do with talent. Success is just a byproduct of more and more people connecting with that thing, but it doesn't change that experience that someone has, that thing that they put out. Okay, I got you. So you're saying that talent doesn't exist per se. It's just the name we give our perception when we see somebody who we believe is really good at something. 
Okay, and then as a result of that belief, that person may be more likely to reach success because it's easier for us to get behind them and propel them forward. That's, you know what, you just summed up my 22 minutes of rambling in those two sentences, yes. Well, no, that's literally why I was listening and like asking all these questions because I wanted to make sure that I fully understood your argument because I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, good stuff in there. So I want to shut up, Bassam, let you respond and then make sure. Well, Matt can speak for three and a half hours. I think I can barely speak for two or three minutes on this subject because I 100% agree with Matt on everything he said. And I think uh, the differentiator at the end is that you have to separate whatever the definition of talent is, whatever it is. Not, I'm not going to go there because we talked about it already. Uh, I'm going to separate it from success. And I, and, I, and I think it is absolutely all about a combination of circumstances, right, that bring a certain artist or a, an individual to whatever definition of success or notoriety, right, positive notoriety. And, and those could be other things, things like being talented at marketing, not just the actual thing they do, being talented at networking or whatever it is. I'm going to give a morbid analogy here. Uh, planes, you know, my background is planes. When planes crash, it is rarely one contributor to that crash. And it's a rare occasion. And by the way, if you look at all these successful people that, that we know, they're usually in the top 1% of their field, right? So CEOs are usually the top percent of management people. Uh, NHL hockey players are usually the one top 1% 1 or less of all hockey players. So they, they are a rare uh, occurrence, right? Just like a plane crash, you know, bad weather can, can crash a plane, bad piloting can crash a plane, mechanical failure can crash a plane. Each one of them can do it, but you, they don't crash every day. They only crash in general, unless somebody puts a bomb on one, when you have a combination of three or four things that are so rare, but they happen once in a while and the plane crashes. And that's what I believe what we see out there as successful people and, you know, like a Kevin Hart or so on. There's a tons of people that are talented like him. And I bet you if you put Kevin Hart and take a random comedian and put them smack in, in, in front of 100,000 people and they do their thing, there's going to be enough people in those 100,000 that will connect with the other person just because they connect with him more than Kevin Hart. So that's kind of circumstance. So I truly believe it is that combination of circumstance, right, that comes together. And yes, fundamentally, you have to have, you know, jump on the opportunity. You have to have all kinds of things or happening in your life that push you towards those opportunities or those, those circumstances happening. It's a matter of st statistics, let's put it this way. You network enough, you're probably gonna meet somebody at one point, right? You, you don't do maintenance on a plane, it's probably gonna have mechanical failure at some point. So I hope I'm making sense, but I think that's all I can contribute at this stage. No, I'm so glad you said that, Bassam. I think it was a fantastic analogy because it, it clarified a few things in my mind as far as like, um, as far as starting to build this picture of of what talent is and why or if it results in success and you're so essentially several hundred thousand people might have one or maybe even two of these unique occurrences that that happen rarely that would put them in the top one percent 
but there's some there's always some kind of third or fourth order thing that has to come and and end up being happening all at once in order to propel the person who has these other these other things and i guess the question that would then become where do they get them but um you know such as networking and and or not giving up or whatever it is some some intangible that allows all three of those important occurrences to happen at once exactly i mean perfect example we talked you know matt mentioned experience right yeah experience is one element of it but why do people like justin bieber make it right he didn't have any experience he had you know he was 14 years old and, and he did a few youtube videos i don't i don't know his history but again it's a combination of circumstances and experience is not always the contributor right right because obviously i mean to to go down a similar path the guy is still making music that's obviously very well received when some other people who started at his age just kind of fell off the map after making one or two songs so something is keeping people there so that's really interesting thing to think about and then the question i think becomes like is are those things that we can even pinpoint and i know people like malcolm gladwell um, have written books on like outliers. And there's a lot of people who study the kind of 1% of performers to find out um, what it is that they have that allows them to do what they do. But it doesn't seem like it's anything that can be synthesized. And I, I, th I guess that's the real, that's the real heart of the question at the end of the day is I can take and do what everybody says in these books I still may never get to where they're going. So there's clearly some indefinable something, whether that's a circumstantial something or whether that is a something you're born with something. Is it a fate in the stars something? Like, what are, how do you start to synthesize those things? Like, is there even any way to do that? Um, maybe becomes closer to the heart of the question. But before we even get there, I want to make sure Becca has a chance to share her thoughts. And then, friends <laughs> in the audience. Um, be prepared. Get your hands up now so we can bring you up when it's time for us all to start kind of batting these ideas around. So uh, Matt's on fire today. I appreciated his 22 minutes of rambling. Um, I, I think if we're going to put a name to the unnameable thing, it's not talent. I would call it artistic genius. And with any kind of form of nebulous, quote unquote, genius, I think a lot of that has to do with divergent thinking. And this is a, a concept that's I, I, I'm very interested in this idea in general, um, but there's actually been some research done very recently on how to measure that kind of divergent thought and creative thinking. Um, and the experiment that was done was people were given like different sets of words and had to connect the words. And depending on how varied those connections were, those people tended to be more creative or not. Um, and so Matt touched on a little bit like on, on memory and how your brain works, right? Like if you think of... Um, like your prefrontal cortex, right, where your working memory and your short-term memory is stored. Uh, if you think of it kind of like an octopus, and it reaches out into the rest of your brain and it grabs your like long-term stored memory, and it pulls bits and pieces together then into your working memory to connect ideas for you to think about and you know um, base your actions on. Like that is a good way to consider how those ideas are connected. And so like the more varied those connections can be, the more creative your thought process can be and the more artistic you can be. And I think people who have that unnameable genius, um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily do 
with their artistic talent or their artistic skill level. I'm sure that most people who have that thing could find a level of skill in various forms of artwork. And, you know, they can better themselves in that skill set. But that way that they think, you know, however that's developed, it's some combination of nature and nurture, you know, their life experience is going to impact the way they think their genetics are going to impact the way they think that combination that leads to that thought process. It's what gonna is what's going to create that level of genius there. That's my rant less than 22 minutes. <laughs> no, that's fantastic because it definitely seems to kind of fall in line also with what Bassam was saying, as far as like, the conglomeration of circumstance or like, or certain traits or certain things that need to happen in order for that to express itself. Because obviously those people who are thinking divergently, there's some reason that they are, right? Um, like you said, maybe it's a nature nurture. I mean, who knows what causes somebody to even have the kind of long-term storage that they're able to pick from, which I wonder, as I said that, how much trauma is involved there because trauma tends to cement memories and fear tends to cement memories in your brain um, and, and the, the visceral experience of the memory a lot more readily than other emotions do. And so I wonder if there's something in that connection. And we've talked a lot of times about the fact of, you know, like, do artists need to be traumatized? Like, why is this a thing? Why is this a stereotype? Um, and it makes me wonder now if there is something to that that really sticks those memories in because as we know the brain is a malleable thing and memories are actually malleable and the more you pull them out and look at them and digest them the more you actually change and alter them because it's not like they are a physical unalterable thing it's software in your brain that you mess with every time you think of it and so your ability to pull experiences and memory changes every time you do that so may i wonder if I do wonder if somehow that's connected. It's likely, yeah. And I mean, like the way that your your memory functions in your brain, it, it kind of hits these milestones through your childhood, right? And so like your full ability, you know, like how much you can store in your long-term memory and your short-term memory is pretty well defined. Like by the time I think like puberty, I would have to double check that. Like, I mean, it's defined early on in your life. And so I think... But I mean, you can train yourself, you can practice, there's ways that you can get better at remembering things, at learning things, at thinking. And that's probably a lot where even that nurture aspect comes in, where if you have the right environment that trains you to think in a certain way or experiences that change your way of thinking like trauma would, uh, yeah, I think that could definitely uh, change the way that you, uh, you think and you know how divergent those thoughts are and where you see those creative connections. Well, you know, that also could make a lot of sense did I mute myself or was I not? Okay. <laughs> that also could make a lot of sense because um, <clears throat> if you do have traumatic experiences through your childhood, you are in survival situations. And as, as our brains evolved, we needed to remember shit that would keep us alive. And so anything that triggers that, that adrenaline, that save yourself, that this is danger situation may actually, what it may do is be increasing your ability to remember shit from a young age, because you have things to keep yourself safe from. I would be so curious to talk to a, like a neurobiologist or a, a neuroscientist about that idea. I wonder how much I'm like throwing darts in the dark and how much of that is even possible. I need some longer time to find answers for you there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, there's so many possibilities, and like even those kind of correlations between like mental illness, right, and right. artistic talent or genius or whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's that's been something like I has been difficult for people to study like it seems like there are correlations there but not always not always it isn't you know one plus one equals two there so sometimes one plus one equals four and uh i don't don't know there's just so many variables when it comes to the human experience it's really hard to pinpoint things like creativity and art for sure i'm curious what you think of that matt as we're kind of discussing some of this maybe (laughs) i mean obviously these are things you'd have to be studying but like this idea of neurodivergency and and thinking being able to think differently and access to your memory and all that kind of stuff how that falls in line with your views on like the way that we push our perception onto what other people are doing and our ability to connect with it you know i i think oh i want to hear from other people because this could easily like i said i can go down this road for hours i think the thing that attracts us as a large group of people towards the same types of things is the same thing that's fascinated us since we couldn't explain how the sun got across the sky. We're interested in things we don't understand. And when people are expressing themselves in a way that we don't understand, it attracts our attention. It's out of the norm and it's something that triggers those primal parts of us to take notice right? If you saw a pink zebra, it would be much more attractive and interesting to look at than a regular zebra, right? So as we are going through our journey, the things that pique our interest or the people that we think are most interesting or most talented are the ones that look at the world differently and express themselves differently. Is that because they had trauma or they're neurodivergent or whatnot? I don't know. I really can't say. I I think everybody's experience is just different, period. So what is it that they have that we see that attracts us, right? And I've got so many photographer friends, I don't think that they're more talented or less talented than me. They just see the world completely differently than I do. And there is something in their work that attracts me. I don't see that as talent. I just, I want to know more about their experience. So. That's the best way that I can describe it. I don't know if we can pinpoint an an item on this. I just try to look at everything from the same lens of it's different experiences, different levels of expression. I've got some cars coming up. Sorry. Um, Yeah, so um, I see we have Jean and Carol with their hands up. I want to invite other folks as well. If you guys have any thoughts on this issue, please raise them. We want to hear from you. Let's argue with each other. Um, get your butts up here. So, yeah, I, I think that it's just a really interesting thing to consider um, when we look at when we look at this question and some of the the places that we're digging into. Because I, it's interesting. I certainly, and this is probably just a difference in the way that you and I think. I certainly think that there are people way more talented than me, or should I say, if we're going to use Becca's terminology, they have way more access to artistic genius. Um, that when I look at their work as comparatively, maybe all of the same levels of skill are there, but there's just really something. And if you were to line up, you know, 50 artists, I do kind of think one would come out on top. Even if the work was different and you asked everybody, which is your favorite, I still think 
that there would be somebody who statistically overall was the was the the big favorite and there must be something in what that person is doing that has the ability to connect with more people that doesn't make it any less valuable right but that means just more people would be pushing that perception of talent or whatever onto that person again you're 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 basing uh, you're basing this on giving it up to outside judgment and outside perception right and the second that you you line up people and you start comparing them one against the other you you can't do that because you're 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 tainting the experiment because you're asking other people to judge what this person's experience is so again i'm just i'm separating out talent as the intangible thing that is all that is in within every single one of us and then there's the societal perception of what those experiences are and i think those really are two different things see okay that's where i that's where i really have a question because the reason that i'm using other people is because the only way to have any discussion about anything that could potentially be true is to have a way to measure it right and if we're talking about talent then what we're talking about is our collective experience of somebody that we believe to be capable of certain things when we see their work we have a a reflection of that we have a support of that we have a proof of that and i could be as talented as i want and hide in a corner all my life did my talent ever actually exist well maybe to my personal experience it did but we exist as a collective and so there's some way that the collective plays a part in determining this not just by you know our not just by our judgment, but that, you know, that's how, that's why statistics are valuable. If something shows up, you know, 15 times and something else shows up one time, then scientifically we say, okay, there's a greater chance that this thing that showed up 15 times has some truth in it. Let's explore what that is. And that's the thing, like, that's why I'm using people as a, a kind of measuring stick, because I can't think of any other way other than individual perception by which I could be the most talented person on the planet because I decide that it's so. Do you see what I'm saying? So there, there has to be like, at least in my mind, or either that or there's something I'm missing in what you're saying because I kind of feel like there does have to be some type of measuring stick and people are the only way I can think to do that because people are the only ones that can appreciate art. So there's a, an experiment um... I think to connect both what you and Matt are saying, Nicole, um, and I actually saw, uh, heard this experiment in a workshop on creativity for business. And um, if you ask your, you know, your test subjects uh, to draw a vase, and everyone's probably going to draw a pretty similar looking vase, right? But if you ask your test subjects instead to draw something for your house that will hold fresh cut flowers, then you're going to start seeing these kind of offshoots into different ideas for how to hold flowers outside of just a vase. And so then you're similar to the, you know, giving 20 photographers the same prompt and seeing what they turn out. You're going to have all these different ideas and probably none of them are going to be exactly the same. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one is going to be better than the other. Or one's going to be on top, but you're going to see these differences then in how people think. And you can make, you know, a decision independently, which you prefer, but that preference is going to vary depending then on each person who looks at this variety of drawing. Right, but I guess the, oh no, we just lost Matt. Now I'm really upset because he's not gonna be able to respond to my question. Um, 
But if we were to take all of those things and ask everybody which vase is your favorite, right? And I know I realize I'm using this as a, it, I hope I'm not using it as a crutch, but what I'm trying to figure out, because I think Matt's right and that a big part of this question comes to our perception, the perception we push onto other people's work and something about our ability to connect with it that allows for us thinking that it is a, a piece of artistic genius or that the person who created it is an artistic genius. There has to be something there. And maybe that's, maybe that's at the heart of my question for real is what is it that allows it to connect with more people or enough people that we continue to want work from this person as a collective, as a society? Because I, I mean, I, I will agree with the fact that there are many, there's so many incredibly talented people um, people who just are capable of producing really beautiful things that we connect with. But for some reason, there tends to be a top 1%. And whether that is a purely preference thing or whether that is an ability to market thing, um, I do think that even without marketing, if you were to test folks, we, we still tend to have clear winners um, as far as the people who, you know, statistically, their work will be favored by more people than most. And I think I need to make something clear really quickly. I am not saying that the work that tends to be favored by more people is inherently better or is worth more or is more valuable or whatever. All I'm saying is there's something about that work that is allowing many, many people to connect with it. Um, there are a lot of things I really like, a lot of things I love and would spend a lot of money on and artists I would throw myself under a bus to support um, who, are not, who are not making things that a lot of people like but I really like it and that's what matters to me. But the heart of the question really, I think becomes that there's something these people are doing or have that allows that to connect with more people statistically than what other, people, other people's work do. And maybe I'm having a logical fallacy here in some way because that, that is tied somehow to their ability to reach people. I don't know. I might, I might have some complete yeah. issues there. Go ahead, Basam, and then I want yeah. to make sure Carol G. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just be quick. I just want to pick up on the, statistic, uh, the statistics uh, discussion, and, and I don't want to make it sound like statistics explain everything, but maybe they do, and it's just a complex, it's a complex thing that, uh, though, you know, statistics speaking, all these things that have to come together, uh, it, it, it's really what's happening. And I want to just go back to my, I don't remember much from my engineering school, but I do remember one thing that really, really impressed me and and i think it just came out today when you talked about statistics uh, my first week in class a, a thermodynamics teacher comes in doesn't say a word we, we 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 had these big boards obviously chalkboards the length of a you know 50 foot wall he started in the top left hand quarter with the basic probability equation which is i don't know i can't even remember what it is like c to the one to the x or whatever just one you know three letters <laughs> and he ended up deriving all thermodynamic theories based on the probability of something happened, which stuck in my mind, if th the law of thermodynamics, which is, which is all around us every day, can be derived from a simple probability of, you know what, the flip a coin, you know, 50%, I'm sure a lot of other things are kind of under that, uh, that umbrella. That's it, I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> I'm glad you did, because I'm sure it's going to stick in my head now. I'm going to be like, ah, oh, how can we derive things from the big umbrella? Um, so, Carol. Boy, I'm chomping out the bit here. Um, I mean, God, I'm, okay, I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, for one thing, 
success has to do with connections. That's pretty much it because Van Gogh was not successful in his life, right? Okay. Um, having a visual eye, I, I like the idea. The, I think it is a certain combination of things that do come together that make for talent. However, that doesn't talk about, you know, child art stars or savants that just have it. They are born with it. And you guys didn't say anything, I don't think, about inherited abilities. I mean, my whole family um, is artistic. Um, vis um, okay, visualize the desire, um, sense of discovery and exploration, experimentation. Um, it's, it's not just about teaching someone techniques because <laughs> are you learning techniques or are you the one creating the techniques? There's quite the difference there. You know, um, I got to art school and I said, is it okay to paint with, uh, you know, with latex paint? And they said, well, you know about Pollock, right? And I'm like, no. And as it stands to this point, people really like my art, right? I don't look at other artists. I don't know very much about art history. I've had uh, professors say, um, wow, your art is really something. Um, it looks just like what I've seen in mental institutions. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like, no, no, that's really good. And then I've had other people say, did you take LSD? And I said, no, if I took LSD, it would straighten me right out, I think. Um, you know, there's... The divergent thinking is something. I think our brains are wired differently. So not just anybody can go learn how to do something and have it work. Um, so it's, it's not just about techniques. I think there's some things that cannot be taught. Um, and the sense of, of discovery, exploration, experimentation, you know, um, sense of individuality. I mean, I was in third grade and I got a blue ribbon. Everybody was copying how to do, you know, this project from someone else. And I was determined at that point to, I really didn't like the, the, what we had to do because we never used that medium before. And yet it was going to be like the only contest of my childhood, you know, and and I personally didn't like it. I put mine under the table and they said, well, you got the blue ribbon, where's your art? And I said, well, I didn't like it, you know, um, <laughs> but mine was different from an early age. So OCD helps drive persistence. Um, so I think it is a combination of things. Uh, people can try and try, but there's some people that just, can never do it. And then there's people that come out of the womb knowing how to do it, literally. When you talk about, well, I was dreaming about, I know a dream I had in the crib about patterns. I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that about me, but it's just that, you know, that it, you're not accounting for savants and these kids, you know, there's brains are different. There are there has been people, there are kids that can look at something once and draw it in complete, perfect detail just by looking at a very complex, you know, bunch of buildings and be able to put the exact thing down. So I think uh, 
we have different we have different brains. So anyway, there's so much I could say about this. Desire and wit come into it when if you're talking about comedians. So anyway, Okay, we definitely want to address a lot of the things you said, but I got to make sure that there's time for other folks to respond to. So Gene Sisla, Josh. Hi, so I'll be brief. I, I apologize. I might have to jump off soon uh, for breakfast um, with the family, but I this is something I've thought a great deal about. Um, I started to really kind of unpack this in my brain during some previous conversations uh, where I think um, we had some pretty healthy debates with coach in the room about the idea of natural ability. Um, and so I think that's when I first started asking these questions. And today for the first time, I just kind of wrote down where my thoughts are on this subject. And so I just kind of wanted to share that briefly. This is just my opinions. Uh, but I think that listening to everybody talk, it kind of um, helps sort of summarize or shape kind of where the, the discussion has gone. So you can take this or leave it. But my view on talent, first of all, is that the dictionary's definition of talent is natural ability. I think we all can agree that that might be in question. Um, so to better define talent, my question, or my, you know, my thought is that um, skill, skills are tools only. The ability to learn, leverage, and synthesize those skills into a creative or technical endeavor is talent. That's what I wrote down this morning. Now the ability to learn, leverage, and synthesize the skills assumes that anybody can learn the skill, which I happen to believe, because I don't think I'm the brightest guy, you know, the brightest crayon in the box, but I'm, I'm pretty good at learning new skills. I'm constantly trying to learn new skills. However, my ability to learn is, is high. My ability to leverage is probably low to average. average. My ability to synthesize is, is average, I suppose. And so my question is, is, you know, what can I do as a as a mortal to uh, improve my ability to learn, leverage and synthesize? And so what I come to are things like memory, emotional intelligence, experience, literacy, compassion or sometimes lack of compassion. Those things, I think, come together to uh, to uh, in a result of ability to learn, leverage, and synthesize. I think it's fair to say that when we're talking about trauma, that engages memory and experience. I think it's fair to say that when we're talking about savants, that engages um, pretty much all of these um, that, that you may just have naturally, you know, a good memory. Um, memory is probably a sloppy way of referring to cognitive ability writ large. Um, emotional intelligence, all these things, you know, have a lot to do with our upbringing, with our environment, um, with our genetic makeup. And I believe that those things, memory, emotional intelligence, experience, literacy, compassion, all help us learn, leverage, and synthesize the skills that we need to engage in creative or technical endeavors. So that's, those are my thoughts. And um, Gene, and I'm complete. Ooh, that was great, Jean. I had to write a lot of those things down because I think I think you've definitely touched on some of the stuff that's in my head. So I want to be able to respond to that later. But Sisla would love to hear what you think. Hi, guys. Uh, I wasn't there for, from the beginning, but uh, so I hope I still can can contribute to something interesting. Um, I'm actually a little bit on the same page as Carol is. Um, I was thinking about it as you guys were speaking, and 
I started thinking about my sister and me. They're about four and a half years between us. Um, my sister is the scientific one and I am the creative one. Though in my family, we are all creatives to an extent. Both my sister and I were great at drawing and painting. At some point, my sister stopped and the science took over. She was good at drawing and painting inside of the boundaries and following directions and things like that. I was bad at doing those things and I was all over the place, but I continued following the creative path. And I was considered by many as being talented in, in my creative pursuit. So both my parents are creatives as well. So I actually think from this experience and speaking with other people that talent or the creative ability to learn is something that is passed down to some extent. Um, of course, there's always exceptions to this, but when I think about it, the I have an ability, an inert ability to learn almost anything creative, anything that is related to my hands, I can figure out how to do. But give me fractions, give me some kind of high level calculus and you will see me break down into a sweaty, crying mess. Um, but give me a creative challenge and you will find that that is where I excel. Um, so for me, I think, I, th I think, I think talent is, uh, talent is, is inherited to some extent and how we then learn to harbor that talent, how to use that talent. That's, that's where everything else comes into play. But that, that starting point, that little core of one's creativity or one's ability to learn creatively or think creatively. I think that one is something that we're born with. I think to an extent it can be learned. And I think that most people to some extent are creative. Um, but that thing that makes some people stand out from the crowd, I think that one might potentially be something we're born with. Now, obviously it's not something that I'm fully set on, but it's, it's just, musings on a snowy Swedish day afternoon beautiful all right Joshua we'd love to hear from you and then we're going to start trying to ball all this stuff together <clears throat> good morning everyone um I just wanted to I mean I came kind of late to the conversation so at risk of uh, covering something that was discussed before or is not necessarily part of this conversation, I'll go ahead and apologize in advance. But um, I think that for me, there's always the additional um, the ability to market oneself and communicate what one does to the people around them. I think that you could probably pull 10 different examples of people who, um, you know, have have different experiences, have different backgrounds, and found various successes from, in different ways. There's always some element of, you know, potentially the, the timing is right uh, for, for whatever it was to, to happen. Or there's sometimes there's element of they were around the right person who was able to assist them in that. You know, you have people who are way more artistic and way less, um, you know, savvy on the, on the side of business. But if they find the right person to help them in the business, then they can really leverage that. So I think that while talents come in, in many shapes and, and sizes and shades, um, that oftentimes I know where I've always personally, you know, rested my belief in, and that's my ability to market 
whatever it is that I'm doing. And because and I, that probably stems from the fact that I did not grow up in doing anything that was really creative. I was always praised by my, my parents for creativity and my ability to creatively um, solve problems. So that's how I, I, I've just kind of always viewed myself as, is my creativity is in problem solving. It's not inherently in photography or in set design or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think that it's part of that just comes from what we nurture and, and what is nurtured for us. Um, That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. And that's actually something I teach in my creativity class. We tend to make the mistake of thinking that creativity means art stuff. It does not. Creativity is the ability to synthesize uh, disparate information and come up with a, a new answer. Um, so you can be a creative scientist, you can be a creative engineer, you can be a creative uh, sculptor, you can be a creative house cleaner. The creativity is not limited to artistic fields which is a, a mistake that we often make. It's a mistake of thinking, um, but often that's because our field is called the creative field. And so uh, people tend to, to lump all those things together when in fact they should not be. Um, creativity is just inherent in human thinking and can be applied to almost any skill set. So. Nicole, we never would have made it to the moon if it wasn't. For 100%. 100%. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it absolutely does bear mentioning. Um, so Bassam, Becca particularly, we have listened to kind of everybody's responses and, and their thoughts. And I do wish the coach was here because David would be arguing with us so hard. And the fact that he has a lot of, um, the fact that he has a, a huge background in the research on this, he would, I, and I have to say it on his sake, he would tell all of us that um, there is no such thing as talent. <laughs> from a scientific, from a neurological perspective, he would be telling us that almost any of it can be learned and, and him and I would be having fights about it. But um, I have to bring that up because I know he would, he would need to say it. So I'd love to hear from particularly the two of you, after hearing what everybody had to say, how do you think um, their responses kind of play into this idea? Because I know you and I, Becca, were like <laughs> bumbling over this um, in our chat the other day. Have you, have you come to any particular conclusions or have there been any insights that you're like, ooh, I'm, I'm snagging on to that in the way that I... I mean, I think we covered a lot of very interconnected ground today. Uh, this was fun, guys. Thanks. Um, and as far as bumbling goes, I mean, I, I just... The, the bumbling for me over our pre previous private conversation is mostly it's like, where does this hit this level of offense? For other artists because i know i personally when i'm personally judging in my brain other people's art like there is that art that i see sometimes and, and like you described earlier this morning it just feels dead like they might be incredibly talented in their skill set they might be excellent at painting or drawing or whatever it is but that creative spark is not there those new ideas are not there you know um and so it's, it's difficult to talk about sometimes because you don't want to come off as an elitist asshole <laughs> thinking that you know you know what is or isn't good art or you have the right to judge other people but i mean there there is something there and the fact that we can have this kind of conversation and all see that you know to whatever degree is um refreshing i appreciate that but yeah i mean a, a lot of it again it, it's it's this interesting combination it seems 
of that nature, that genetic aspect, which again defines how your brain works, even as a very small child, and then what happens to you after that. So it's it, there's so much circumstance involved in how you consciously work on that circumstance and what you do with that information um, that's really going to define how that progresses in whatever creative path you choose to take. So lots of food for thought. Yeah, I think I think the discussion was great today. I think we're trying to answer questions that that really there are no there are no answers because if there were, I think we, we would have found them already and we'd all be what we're what we're describing as successful uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, th there's one one thing I just want to uh, uh, add after listening to Carol and, and Cicela, and I in, in a way I I do agree that there is an aspect of inheriting certain traits and and certain things from you know just. Uh, but I, I like the word nurturing because I think we can also nurture things. So uh, we may think it's inherited, but maybe as a kid, we were nurtured in a way that just pushed us that way. You know, there, there's a saying, uh, you know, like, you know, we say, where is the, the grass is greener on the other side? Well, in reality, the grass is greener where you water it. Right. So nurturing, I think, has a huge role in, in, in how, you know, the example of Cicela and her sister, you know, what did she nurture and what did you nurture? And that made the difference. And it doesn't make it good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't make her better than you or vice versa. It's just you nurtured different things. And, and whether you became successful at it, that's, a, that, that's another discussion. Uh, but I just wanted to reemphasize that, that word. I, I, I really believe it is, uh, it is more of a driver than uh, inheritance. And I, honestly, I, I'm not an expert, so I know nothing about inheritance. But it's just my, my personal. This Would is I'm really sorry to, I don't usually jump in, but my, my childhood was devoid of any art for everybody. And yet everybody ended up being creative in their pursuits beyond leaving home. So you may have nurtured it yourself as opposed to your childhood being nurtured. Well, we all did it separately then and came up with being creative people. <laughs> right? So we all were raised in a situation devoid of any kind of art influence, or it was a survival mode kind of thing. And everybody went on to be very creative in different ways. Can I ask you, Carol, when you say devoid of any art influence, did you guys watch movies? TV shows. We read any books, storytelling, anything like we that. We had we had no books. Um, we were out in the country, and we had you know black and white TV. We weren't allowed. I never saw cartoons growing up. Um, we weren't allowed to watch most TV. We saw some things. Yeah. Sure. So I think that there. This leads to another interesting question, which we'll perhaps have to talk about at another time, but people drew on cave walls when they had no other artistic influence, right? So there's something about us as humans that makes us want to be able to share what's inside of our heads. And some of us either stumble upon or are nurtured in or whatever it is, the ability to share those things in a way that connects with other people. and and that is something that ties a lot of this conversation together. So a lot of this time, I've kind of been asking questions and positing things. I haven't really shared a lot of kind of my own suppositions on the issue. Um, 
But as many of you know, I do teach creativity and it is something you can absolutely learn because it is an inherent part in an inherent part of being human to which the degree to which we have access to those things or which we learn to nurture our ability to creative to be creative is different all across the board, depending on circumstance. And in a very similar way to Carol, uh, my brother and I are both artists. He is primarily a musician, but he has a really great facility with almost anything he can pick up with his hands. So he's been teaching himself sculpture um, and he also can draw. Um, my, neither of my parents, my dad was a mechanic um, and my mom is, I don't entirely know what she is, but her favorite thing to do is nurture things. So animals, people, plants, <laughs> um, she is a nurturer. Um, that is her favorite thing to do. And she has to be busy doing it. So she has experimented with things. She can crochet um, really beautiful things, but she usually goes off a pattern. And she she does not have a very high um, a, uh, perception of her own ability at things. And And if I were to fight with her and she were to try things, sometimes it's really impressive what she's able to do, but she still doesn't see it that way. And there was nobody in her youth to nurture that side of her either. So... There is a huge combination of things here. The nature versus nurture question. There's genetics and epigenetics. You may have the genetics that predispose you to be a fantastic artist. And yet the epigenetic factors in your life that trigger those genes may never happen to you. And so there's a huge, that's why this is such a complicated issue to talk about. Because what we're trying to do is simplify something that really doesn't actually have an easy answer. And it may not have an answer. It may be when all of the right things come into line, as you were mentioning, Bassam, but we don't actually know what those right things are. Or there's so many right things that the statistical chance of them ever happening to you in that order is slim to none. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on here. And, and ex exploring, even though there may not be a right answer, Exploring the question is really valuable because it helps clarify, clarify the way we think about things. And the difference between how we think about ourselves, if we believe we were born to be the artist, I was born to do it, there's something special about me, there's something special about my brain. The difference between how we behave when we believe that versus how we behave when we believe um, there's no limit to what I can do, I can be what I choose to be. And if I choose to be an artist, I can be one because I just... I can grow myself into that. Um, there's differences in how we behave. And so exploring these questions, we do know that the more we think of a thing, the more we manifest the thing, the more we become the thing. That is something we do know. Um, all kind of hinges on how we ask ourselves these questions and what we believe the answers to be. And so if we believe of ourselves, I'm talented, I'm creative, I'm capable of, etc. Um, then we're opening up a lot of fields for ourselves. But if we believe, you know, that this is this is what we were born into and this is what we have, then we approach that thing differently. And there are a lot of folks throughout history who have had their one thing. This is the thing that they had. They became incredibly skilled in that one thing. They became absolute masters of that medium, etc. So there isn't a right or wrong answer in, in how we think of it. There's just the fact that how we think of it matters to how we do it. And so that's why I find this question so interesting, not necessarily because we're ever going to get to a right answer where I can say, okay, here's the right combination of things. 
where you can put them all together and go become the successful artist you dream of being. It's how do we think about these things and how does the way we think about them contribute to how we behave? So interesting questions today, guys. I'm glad we had this conversation. We still are going to continue getting into mastering the business of art with looking at how we price our products and figuring out uh, how we how we decide how to do that. But I'm really grateful for everybody participating in the conversation. It's such a great thing to think about. It gives a lot to uh, a lot to the imagination. And um, and Gene unfortunately had to leave before I, I had the chance to mention this. But I I like his simplification of learn, leverage, and synthesize because I think that those are um, those are what we use in in skill development. And so being able to take those and put them into practice uh, in order to reach, you know, new heights in your creative endeavors is, is a really, really helpful way to look at it. So I hope you will be here with us um, tomorrow morning, but I also hope you'll join us tonight. It's the second Thursday, which means the Artist Forge is getting together for a live stream this evening. We're going to cover some of the topics we've already talked about, do a little bit more critique, dive more into visual literacy, because that is our jam. And I hope you will come and be with us there tonight and also tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's the last time we will get together before next week. Um, so I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, go make something amazing. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.